Hi there. My name is Dr. Pragenta, and I'm the host of the Dr. Nurse Podcast. I'm an advanced nurse practitioner, and I want to be your guide into the world of nursing professions. This podcast is a platform for nurses to share their journeys as they made their way in the diverse field of nursing as either entrepreneurs, academia, private practice, or even the corporate world. I think we should celebrate just how diverse the field of nursing is through mentoring one another with the stories of our career journeys. Nothing is too mundane because each journey is unique. This podcast will showcase career options to encourage nurses to view their degrees with a business mindset. After all, we work in the healthcare business. And ultimately, I hope I might inspire you to make a change if you're looking for something different. I am motivated to see you live your best nursing life, and that looks different for everyone. Thanks for joining me on today's podcast, and let's get started with today's guest. Hey guys, today we're going to be hearing from Dr. Alita Benitez. She is a bachelor's and doctorally prepared nurse practitioner with her degrees from the University of Florida. She is a current member of the surgical critical care team at UF Health. She is a proud advocate for advanced practice providers sitting as active co-chair of the APP Council at UF Health. Most recently, she shares the role of track coordinator for the Adult Gerontology Acute Care DMP program at the University of Florida College of Nursing. Listen to her describe her faith, her passion, and her growth along her nursing journey. Most importantly, she's a dear friend of mine, and I am so glad I could have her on the podcast today. Guys, enjoy the chat. Welcome, Alita, to the Dr. Nurse Podcast. So happy to have you on today. Hey, thank you for having me. All right, let's dive right in. So describe to our listeners what your current job role or roles are. Sure. I currently wear a few different hats. I work full-time for the Department of Surgery at UF Health in Gainesville, Florida, and I'm part of a special group of advanced practice providers consisting of nurse practitioners and PAs. I think we have close to 60 providers now, and in that position, I rotate between four different surgical ICUs, and I round as part of a multidisciplinary team on surgical patients in the trauma cardiothoracic vascular lung transplant and general surgery unit. Wow. And then what uh, other side hustles do you do? Sure. So I also work part-time at the University of Florida College of Nursing, where I serve as co-track coordinator. And there I'm mostly responsible for the clinical placement and management of the adult acute care nurse practitioner students. And then on the side, I also dabble in some research work with the emergency department. And we mostly help with sepsis research, or recently we had the opportunity to work with the COVID research. So you've got multiple things to dive down into more specifically. So tell us a little bit about what you do at your full-time critical care job. Kind of what are some of the things that you see on a day-to-day basis? Sure. So pretty dynamic environment. We really get to practice at the top of our license as nurse practitioners in the acute care setting. We kind of work under the, the guidance and leadership of an intensivist in the ICU, and we work intimately with the surgical teams as well. So we round on patients. Of course, the census will vary from day to day, but we get to do procedures. We get to make clinical decisions, formulate plans for those patients, and get to really be the glue, essentially, of the ICU because we're the one constant factor there at a teaching hospital 
We always have rotating residents and various types of students in there and even fellows that rotate every month. So the nurse practitioners and the PAs are that one constant factor in all of our surgical ICU. So what are some of the procedures that you do? We get to do basically anything you can think of in the ICU. So anywhere from arterial lines, central lines, chest tubes, intubations, bronchoscopies. We get to assist with various bedside procedures that come along the way. We've not to get into the nitty gritty of it, but many a times we've had to open a chest at the bedside and we have to be prepared to think critically and be on our toes and be able to assist in those situations. Incredible. And then for your research job, I think you touched on it a little bit, but take us through kind of what you were researching just recently with your COVID work. Certainly. So we got to participate in the recent studies that came along with COVID. I got to pick up just a couple of shifts with them, but we essentially got to screen patients. We had the opportunity to go to the bedside to collect the blood samples and then follow up with patient data as well. I have to give credit to the research team that works in that department, Matt and Rebecca, really wonderful human beings who have done great work there under the leadership of Dr. Carmel Ellie. So that is always busy. And then we also got to do research with sepsis. It's called a Clover study. So we are still in the process of getting that data published. Very cool. We were speaking earlier before the podcast about kind of what your faculty position entails. Can you dive into that a little? Yeah, that has morphed in the last year. I took the position right before COVID started. So we definitely had to get creative and think on our toes again. Obviously, no one has ever dealt with a pandemic of this magnitude. So we had to quickly restructure how we were going to handle student clinicals and switch some a few courses around. But that position essentially is uh, split between myself and another colleague of mine, Dr. Thompson. And I teach the clinical portion of the program. So I'm responsible for placing students in various clinical positions around the state of Florida. And I really enjoy that. It's got It's been very fulfilling and challenging all at the same time. What a full plate. Uh, a lot of a lot of time management. And I ask for help. I'm, I'm learning more and more to ask for help. And also there's that little thing about setting boundaries and learning when to say no to things, but I'm, I'm still in the process of learning with how to handle that. Well, it's impressive to say the least. So what was your specific journey to this spot in your career that you have all these hats that you're wearing? Can you take us back to even when you decided I want to be a nurse to kind of how you got to where you are today? Absolutely. I have to say that it hasn't been a clear cut road or easy along the way. If I have made it this far because of God's grace and there's some fantastic people that I've met along the way. If I really go back, I would say that my journey began probably around age 12 or 13 when my dad had a stroke when he was 37. And I remember feeling scared and helpless being at the bedside, looking up at the monitors and having no clue what all the numbers meant. And I was asked multiple times to translate for my parents, but really had minimal knowledge of what everyone was talking about. So I was encouraged at an early age to throughout my education to go into medicine, mostly because it would provide a secure job after college. But I really fell in love with providing care for others. I shadowed a nurse in high school, 
But as a Mexican immigrant, I was the first in my family to go to college. So my parents and I had very little knowledge of what academia entailed at a higher level past high school. So I was originally pre-med and being or all this was new to me. So I was overwhelmed with all the course load and I switched eventually and landed on nursing. I was thinking about how I was going to pay for college and whether I had the mental stamina to make it through it all. And I remember calculating how many 99 cent Wendy's chicken nuggets I could afford in my <laughs> budget. So eventually graduated nursing school and landed a job at Lakeland Regional. And it was not my first choice. I thought I wanted to be a labor and delivery nurse, but I could not find a job in that field. And so I had two interviews. And I remember calling a friend of mine up from college and I discussed it with him. And I said, these are my two options. And one of them was going to be a little harder of a job than the other. And he said, well, you got to take the harder job. You can't settle. And so I started my first job as a nurse on a med search floor at Lakeland Region Medical Center. And it really challenged me to hone in on my time management. And I quickly realized how much more I had to learn about medicine. But the nurses there were fantastic and had a lot of experience. And it was there that I met my first role model in nursing. And she was a true blessing. Her name is Amy. And she helped me uh, kind of teach me the ropes and made sure I ate lunch and <laughs> stood up for me when I was being treated poorly by someone. And it was Amy who gently suggested that I make a, a trip to the ICU. And I really was stubborn. I, I said, no, Amy, that's not for me. But one day I took her advice and I went to shadow in the ICU and I fell in love with it. The, the smaller patient ratio was really great. It matched my brain, how my brain worked. And also my body was a little easier than floor nursing. I was mentally stimulated and I found great leadership in the staff around me. And everyone was really goal oriented. My manager, Diane, at the time had really high standards for the staff and supported higher education for everyone. Working in the ICU, I had the honor to be with many patients in their last hours of life. And that was also where I met another mentor of mine, Mimi, who is a palliative care nurse. And she's also a fellow Gator grad. But she was fantastic and helped guide me professionally. So then I applied to graduate school. I got denied from many local universities. And eventually I did start grad school at a private school there at Lakeland. And I remember meeting Mimi in the parking lot one day and she said, what are you doing? And I said, well, I'm going to grad school. And she said, no, but really, what are you doing? You need to spread your wings. And wow. so it Mimi's was- this little angel, little angel <laughs> yeah. Mimi. So then I applied to UF's DMP's program and I got in. Wait, so you unenrolled from this other college and then Correct. enrolled at UF? Yes. I lost all my money, wow. all the credits because they wouldn't transfer. And I, I got into grad school at UF and that, of course, was no easy ride. Towards the end, I was really discouraged due to some unfortunate experience in my clinicals. And it was really one of the lowest points in my academic career because for the first time, I encountered people who underestimated me and did not take the time to invest in me as a student. Yeah. And I didn't find it very kind. But again, I had a great program director at the time, Dr. Harches, who supported me and encouraged me and I made it through. And I remember it was two months before graduation, many job applications, no job lined up, but somehow I had this peace about everything. Everything that I couldn't explain. Yeah. And eventually I got the interview with the UF a health critical care team. And I've been with them since then. 
And I didn't plan to be in Gainesville this long, but I've really come to love the town and I really enjoy the work I do. I find it fulfilling and I appreciate the high acuity. Wow. Yeah, I definitely have not anticipated being in Gainesville this long either, but somehow you get sucked in and you're like, this place <laughs> is great. So what an incredible journey. Alita, it's, it's pretty neat to me because we've been friends for a long time and I didn't know those other details about what you were experiencing in Lakeland. I had no mm -hmm. idea. I knew some mm -hmm. of your story, but I did not know the experience that you were having over in Lakeland. So yeah. that was definitely cool to hear and provides a different perspective on your journey. So mm -hmm. thank you for sharing that. So I think you touched a little bit on your mentors. Did you have any other mentors you'd like to give a shout out to that you felt they were really big in your career development? I think that most of the mentors I've had have really taken the time to get to know me as a person and have guided me not only professionally, but also spiritually in my walk as a Christian. Obviously my parents, but I mean, I can think back to my high school band director, Mr. Ekman, and my middle school social studies teacher, Ms. Parrish, but my first nursing preceptor, Amy, by far, I mean, she saw my talents for what they were and she had the foresight to know where I would best flourish. And then Mimi Jingo for pushing me and being there all these years to give me professional and worldly advice. My graduate school program director, Dr. Harches, she always encouraged me during those really hard times at the end of my studies. And now my medical director, Dr. Afron, who is very supportive of our professional growth as advanced practice providers. He's been tremendous. Yeah. I love that you've got this hybrid role where you've got the clinical background, but you've also got your foot in research, which is something that as a DNP educated provider does kind of get injected into you a little bit of like mm -hmm. the importance of research. And then you kind of don't see it when you go into your clinical setting, you just kind of work and you see patients. So I think it's really neat that you have your foot still in the research world. Because when you get that DMP, you see how critical research is just even towards quality improvement, right? Mm -hmm. Not just Absolutely. into like evidence based care, that type stuff, but also just making life better, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So the next question is, can you tell us, and maybe just more specifically, one of the biggest successes in your career, something that you noticed was a really big win for you? Sure. Let's see. I think just being able to look back on hard times and struggles and say, wow, I got through that. I think that's probably been my biggest success. The grit, the tears, the heartache, it's not in vain. And it's the little moments for me when a family member or a student say thank you to be able to contribute to the next generation of nurse practitioners and to help family when they're most in need. I really get a lot of fulfillment in those moments. And those are really the highlights of my career so far. So it reminds me of that quote where it's like, you're going to be happy, said life, but first I'll make you strong. I just feel like that that quote is pertinent to what you're doing because you enjoy what you do, but you had to get through some really tough spots. And that that strength is what allows you to be really great at your job because you're just like, this isn't going to defeat me. Are you kidding? Like what I've been through? <laughs> well, and it's also allowed me to, when I think the hardest, some of the, the lowest moments, God uses that to refine us. I do believe that. And it's also given me a little bit of empathy for others who may be going through a similar time in their life and be able to say, okay, I remember what it was like to be put down and to be felt to be so small and insignificant. And I vow to never treat a student like that or a new provider if I can help it. Yeah, that's 
It's really beautiful. I like your heart on that. All right. What was one of your biggest challenges so far in your career that you had to overcome? In a very broad sense, I think my biggest challenge would have to be my own self-doubt. And although I've been fortunate to have amazing friends and family who give me support and advice along the way, sometimes I think you find yourself alone with these negative thoughts and being able to push through those tough days has been really hard. And it's not just the medicine, the long shifts, the chronically ill patients that we deal with. It's the interpersonal dynamics of the job that really wears on me. I'm not ashamed to say that I've had counseling during my time as a nurse practitioner. And I honestly wish I would have done it sooner. I think that mental health has a stigma to it. And we really do ourselves a disservice by not tending to it. Thank you for sharing that. You have to process that stuff because if you don't, it'll just keep coming back to bite you. You can't ignore it. All right. So what advice do you have for a new nurse starting off in her career? She just got her bachelor's or her associates and she's going to get started. What would be some advice that you wish you would have known when you first got going? My advice would be to not settle for the easy road and to seek guidance from folks that they look up to. It's okay to not know what you want to do with your career, and it's okay to stumble along the way. I wish someone had told me and taught me how to be more gentle with myself. I think we live in a world where we are very critical of each other and show little grace for others. And many times, we are our worst critics with ourselves. So that type of self-criticism, I think it can be very detrimental, and it does not really reflect who we truly are. For me, self-compassion has helped me stay grounded on who God says I am and has really helped me maintain a sense of emotional balance. Now, I'm not saying to not have high standards, but when we do fall or make a mistake, I've learned that it's important to show self-compassion during those hard moments. I do believe that it's the self-compassion that better equips us to deal with our own anxiety, depression, and it gives us the tools to show compassion to others along the way. And I think that's something that we need to see more. I agree with you. I think I think when I've had students or I've been dealing with teaching, what I've done is I've maybe worked out of my own issues and put those issues off on my students. I remember when I was working as a preceptor, and I'll just kind of do like a side story, but I remember I used to harp on medicine because I had made medical errors as a new nurse, and it was a really traumatic experience. And so when I had my students, when I was precepting them, I would get very laser focused to probably a scary point with my students, what med they were giving, why they were giving it, where they were giving it, all the facts that you've got to know about it. And if Mm -hmm. students were unprepared, I would come down really hard on them. And I remember like... I think it began to affect my students negatively because I was so critical. And again, that was coming out of my issues, right? Having made a medical error and being on the other side of that, I never wanted them to experience that. And yet I wasn't being compassionate with the fact that like, I was a new baby nurse. I made a mistake. We're going to make mistakes. It's okay. You're going to be okay. So I kind of overcompensated instead of realizing, okay, Sandra, you need to be compassionate on yourself. And then through that, compassion. You can be compassionate (laughs) with others instead of being so dogmatic and stressed and just like all the things that I think were coming across really poorly. It was actually out of my care, but it just wasn't coming out healthy. And so I think that it was actually when I went and I reflected back, I thought, Sandra, that was your wounding. Those were your issues that you were 
kind of working out. And so I think if I had a do-over, I would definitely not have gone from that angle. I think the angle that you're describing of self-compassion and understanding is a lot more therapeutic and I think brings a lot more change than kind of honing in on stuff that super stressful for everyone around. Yeah, it's, I think medicine <gasps> specifically, I can speak to the ICU setting. It's a very high stress. We're already stressed. The patients are already complex. And to add that layer of frustration with your interpersonal communication, it, it can sometimes be overwhelming. And like I said, I'm not saying that there should not be standards and that we, some folks do need firm talking to and and that's okay, but it's in the delivery and how, and yeah. how we approach the situation and the individual. I I agree 100%. I've made plenty of mistakes myself, Sandra, with <laughs> nurses, with students, and that's, I really am trying to do better. Yeah. No, I just, I think your perspective on that is is very keen. All right. So the next part of the interview is the rapid fire questions, 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 <laughs> questions. So tell our listeners, how many keys do you have on your keychain? I've really yeah. gotten better about this. I, right now I have three. Oh my gosh, that's so good. I think I have like 15 keys. I don't even know what they're to, but I just have a bunch of keys. That's very impressive. Okay, so what is your favorite summer activity? My favorite summer activity? Well, 4th of July is my favorite holiday. There's no presents to buy and it's the weather's good <laughs> and you just enjoy people's company and there's good food. So probably just being out in the sun and eating a nice sweet watermelon. Oh, that does sound amazing. And then what are two things that you would put on your bucket list? Bucket list. I still want to visit Rome. Ooh. Man, I think just take my parents on a nice trip. I think I'd really like to do oh, that that's someday. That's really sweet, Alita. Man, I like that. That's very kind. I've always I've always wondered about people that like are when in life are you able to like buy your parents a trip? Like when does that happen? Like 40, 50? <laughs> I think I can get so tied up with my work and all the things on my plate that I'm trying to be better about having perspective and spending time with the people who matter the most to me. So that's really good. Thank you for coming on to the Dr. Nurse podcast today, Alita. It's been great chatting with you. Thank you so much for having me. Well, this is the end of our time together. I really hope you enjoyed the chat. Please be sure to subscribe to the show so you don't miss an episode and leave us a review if you like the show. I would love to get five stars. The Dr. Nurse podcast is on Instagram, so please follow us there for any updates on new podcasts and other inspirational information to help you on your own journey. You can message me at the Dr. Nurse podcast at gmail.com with any career professions you are interested in hearing about. I'll do my best to find them. And as always, thanks for listening. And just a reminder, the information in this podcast is for educational purposes only, and the information should not be used in substitute for professional care by a medical provider. The information in this podcast does not represent medical or other professional advice or services.